Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Isometry by Syntax 6 on Omniscribe. Rating Explicit. Chapter 12. On Monday, Scully met with her medical triumvirate while he tested his word power with a year-old copy of Reader's Digest. I can come in with you, he had said, but she had declined his offer. It's easier for me if you wait here. Easier? She'd rubbed her eyes, which he knew was because she'd slept poorly the night before due to racking joint pain. The reason he'd known this was because he had been in the bed next to her. Surely that detail should have granted him entree into her inner sanctum. Mulder, she had said. If you're there, then I have to listen for both of us. This way, I have a chance to process what they say before I talk to you. Okay? So, she'd gone down the hall alone, and he'd stayed in the nappy gray chair and thumbed ragged magazines. Reader's Digest wanted to know if he could define prevocate. Surely he could do that. Prevocate. Verb. From the Latin, meaning to fuck with the truth. One, to take what one's doctor said and smooth out any unpleasantries so that one's partner never knew what the hell was going on. Two, to process every feeling one had into words. Three, to sneak out of bed in the middle of the night to pop pain pills like hard candy. Scully reappeared in the waiting room with her usual faint frown and dark suit. She could have been dressed for her own funeral. Well, he asked, correcting his slouch. I'm fine, she said. Let's go. Mulder tossed his magazine and followed her out the door. Prevocate, he thought, to lie. That afternoon, it was his turn to leave her out of the loop. He answered his phone to discover Skinner on the other end. Agent Mulder, I'd like to see you in my office. Right away, sir. Scully cocked a curious eyebrow. Something wrong? Don't know. He grabbed his suit jacket. Just me on the chopping block this time. I'll be back. Skinner's office somehow remained shadowed even on bright sunny days, despite his large windows. It smelled of leather, stale cigarettes, and rug cleaner. Mulder knew the ashtray was empty. You wanted to see me? Sit down, Skinner said, even though he himself was still standing. Mulder set. What's this about? Skinner removed his glasses, peered through the lenses, and began wiping them with a handkerchief. I've been getting some reports. Agent Relia tells me that Agent Scully had some problems during the Henderson case last week. A nosebleed, Mulder answered. It stopped. Skinner fixed him with a long look and then put his glasses back on. Relia said Scully was dizzy, had to leave the interrogation. It was someone else's turn to take a stab at Henderson anyway. She's sick, Skinner said succinctly, and getting sicker. When Mulder didn't reply, Skinner came around the desk. Isn't she? Here was where Mulder realized the true beauty of Scully's plan. What he didn't know, he couldn't tell. She says her latest tests came back clean. That's not what I asked. Mulder scratched the back of his head. What was the question again? Skinner's jaw tightened. You want her to collapse in the field? You want her to feel faint at the wrong time and accidentally shoot someone? 
This isn't nursery school, Agent Mulder. One misstep could cost Scully her life. Or yours. Mulder set forward, his face in his hands. If he wanted to get even for her evasions, this was the chance. One word to Skinner and he could pull her plug. She'd be safe in bed where, let's face it, she probably belonged. He tried to imagine the look on her face when she realized he'd given up on her. His anger slackened. You should be talking to her about this, he said quietly. I'm talking to you. He sat up and met Skinner's eyes. Well, I don't know what you want me to say. She's sick, yes. But so far her work hasn't suffered. She says she wants to be here, and I don't think it's our place to question that. I'm responsible for the both of you. It damn well is my place. Mulder stood. Well then, sir, I suggest it's also your place to tell her. He went back to the basement and Scully looked up from her laptop when he entered the room. So, what did Skinner want? With one look at her, he realized she knew. The tense hunch of her shoulders, the anxious set of her mouth, and the defiance in her eyes. She was just waiting for him to say the words. They jammed in his throat. Nothing. It's fine. He tapped his fingers lightly on the desk at his hip. He, uh, he just wanted to ask a couple follow-up questions about the Henderson case. Okay. She went back to typing, and he settled uneasily in his chair. Sometimes, a little provocation was the only choice one had. He stopped the car in front of her apartment building and shut off the engine with a decisive twist. Scully gave him a sideways glance. You're staying a while, I take it. Dinner, he said, reaching for her hand. He brushed her fingers with his thumbs. Mulder, I don't think. I'll cook. He gave her hand a quick squeeze and then reached across her lap to open her door. You can cook, she asked, when he drew back so their noses were inches apart. He smiled. It depends on how you define cook. She hopped a laugh and he nuzzled her cheek. Her fingers curled around the back of his neck, and they stayed like that for a moment, their faces pressed together. At last she yawned, turning away, and he released her. Scully's apartment had a quiet and calm aura that suited her, as if it, too, were comfortable spending a lot of time alone. He felt soothed inside its walls because, at Scully's, everything had a place. So for the duration of his visits, he must belong here as well. She took his coat with exaggerated formality, as if he were a first date, which, when he stopped to consider it, he supposed he was. Horny hospital madness notwithstanding. Scully seemed to be caught between the same sense of awkwardness and familiarity because she was standing on the opposite side of the room from him and not meeting his eyes. Would you like something to drink, she asked. No, thanks. Just let me at the stove and I'll show you my kitchen kung fu. Scully looked pained. I can make something, really. Scully. He crossed and put one arm around her, jostling her playfully. You have pasta. I can boil water. It's no big deal. Her thin shoulders heaved with a sigh. Okay, there should be pasta in the pantry and canned tomatoes on the lowest shelf. I have lettuce and... She broke off with another yawn. He hugged her into his side. I'll find it. You go lie down for a few minutes, okay? I'll come get you when it's ready. 
No, I should help. He began propelling her towards the bedroom. I insist. Too many cooks, yada, yada, yada. I'll yell if I need help. Otherwise, don't come out unless you hear the smoke detector. Mulder. She halted and turned to face him. Kidding. He grinned and kissed her forehead. You rest. He returned to the kitchen and hung his jacket and tie over the back of one chair. When that didn't cool him down enough, he stripped to his t-shirt. Like a sauna, and I haven't even turned on a burner, he muttered, sticking his neck around the corner to peer at the thermostat. It read 78 degrees. Jesus. He tugged the hem of his t-shirt free and contemplating taking it off too. The naked chef, he thought. I could get my own cable access show. Deciding it was probably better to have some barrier between his skin and the hot oils, he returned to the kitchen. He started poking around for the necessary pots and pans. Whistling, he located fresh basil and garlic, the tomatoes, and a bottle of olive oil. He debated using the food processor to puree the tomatoes, but didn't want to wake Scully. Instead, he mashed them around the frying pan with a fork, managing to decorate his t-shirt in the process. Just as well I took off the good one, he said, as he mopped up his mess. He fared little better with the garlic. The skin stuck to his moist fingers, and he sliced his left thumb trying to dice the cloves. I knew there was a reason I usually eat directly out of boxes. After half an hour or so, he managed to concoct a plausible sauce, and the water was just starting to boil. He wiped his hands on a dish towel and went in search of Scully. Feeling his way across the familiar terrain of her bedroom, he stopped when his knees bumped the bed. Scully didn't bulge. In the diffuse streetlight coming through the curtains, he could make out her slight frame under the loose covers. He lifted them and crawled up until he was stretched out beside her. Smiling in the dark, he stroked her hair. Scully. Mm. She shifted and curled towards him. He let his hand roam from the top of her head, down the warm curve of her neck, to the slope of her shoulders. She drew her knees up and murmured something he couldn't understand. Her breathing was still even and deep. Scully, he tried again. He shifted, so he wrapped around her like a question mark, his lips near her ear. It's time for dinner. Her hand snuck up between them to rest on the center of his chest. Okay. He continued to draw idle patterns on the smooth plane of her back. They spent so much of their time pushing against one another that a few extra minutes of pliant, sleepy Scully was indeed an unexpected treasure. She stretched without moving much, just tensing and relaxing against him. You smell like garlic, she said, reaching around him to rake her nails slowly down his back. His eyes slid closed in pleasure. You will too, after dinner. There are three cloves in the sauce. Good thing we're friends then. Good thing. She tilted her chin up enough so their lips met. Just a gentle press, and he felt her sharp intake of breath tickle his skin as they kissed. He made a wordless sound of affection, which she answered with a small sigh as her mouth opened under his. She tasted like warm mint, her agile pointed tongue teasing him with dainty brushes. He rolled her a little closer, parting his legs so she could slip a knee between them. Under the covers, his hands fell to her waist. She went rigid for a flash of a second as his hands delved under her sweatshirt. But he reassured her with his lips and tongue that he was happy with the feel of her. 
Skinny, yes, his brain had registered that the first time, but he didn't let himself dwell. Not when he had a large expanse of soft skin and fine, strong bones to explore. He let the pads of his fingers trail across her ribs. She arched into him, her belly brushing his belt buckle. Her leg rubbed between his. Agent Mulder, she said, pulling away, her breathing ragged and her tone suggestive. She wiggled again. Is that a magic pickle in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? He grinned and squeezed her hand, infusing her with some of the joy he felt. I don't know. Why don't you rub it and make a wish? She laughed through her nose, shaking in his embrace. But then she did as he suggested, her mouth planting tiny kisses up his throat while her hand slid lower under the covers. She raised his t-shirt and his belly gave an involuntary twitch at the sweep of her fingers over his naked skin. Scully, he murmured into her ear, you don't have to. I know. She worked his belt buckle one-handed. Its flap opened, and she made quick work of the zipper after that. Her small, warm hand slipped inside, causing him to shuck in his breath with one single whoosh. She kissed his shoulder. Feels pretty lucky to me. His eyes screwed shut, his mouth dry. He lay completely still under her tender menstruations. You have no idea, he told her hoarsely. Her nimble fingers found the slit in his boxers, and soon she was stroking him with no barrier between them. The only sound in the room was the slight rustle of his clothing as she touched him, and his own desperate panting. She pushed closer, her thigh rubbing on his leg like an eager cat, and her hand changed angle enough for her to find his head with her thumb. He jerked. Scully. Too much? She stopped moving, but her hand still pressed against him. He turned his face so he could kiss her hair. God. He felt her smile into his shoulder. Minx. Scully, the thing is, it's a little too lucky. Like, zillion-dollar jackpot lucky after you've been living on food stamps for four years. And, you know, if you want to get lucky too, he trailed off, realizing he might have been assuming too much. Shifting, he met her eyes as best he could in the dim light. Um, did you want to get lucky too? She leaned in and found the pulse in his neck with her tongue. God, yes, she breathed. His ears tingled. His dick jumped in her hand. Okay, then. He nudged her free hand out of his pants so he could roll her under him. Her legs parted and he settled between them as his mouth found hers again. She wove her hands through his hair, turning his face one way, then the other way, kissing madly while her hips began a smooth bump and grind. He managed to wedge one arm under her shirt and bra? Who wears a bra to bed, Scully? And tweaked her left nipple. It hardened instantly in his fingers and all of a sudden, he was frantic to get his mouth on her. He yanked his mouth from hers with a gasp, fumbling with shaky fingers at the hem of her sweatshirt. With her cooperation, he raised it until it bunched at her chin. And he lowered his mouth to her breastbone as he reached under her for the clasp of her bra. Scully arched her back to help. At last, he freed the catch and the cups loosened. He pushed them aside, fondling her curves as he did so. His nose found the powdery softness between her breasts, and he darted his tongue out for a taste. She whimpered and ran restless hands over his shoulders, 
fingers bunching his shirt until it rose partway up his back. He kissed each breath as he would her lips, with hot, open mouth kisses and gentle flicks of his tongue. Scully played with his ears and thrust her hips against his lower body, seeking purchase where there was none. Their twist caused his loosened pants to slip lower on his hips, the fabric catching in uncomfortable ways, so he let go of her long enough to shake off his slacks. Scully hit her snicker with one hand as he flailed about under the covers. Think that's funny, do you? He hooked his thumbs under the elastic of her sweatpants and tugged. Her gasp of surprise made him grin, and he had her naked to the waist before she had time to object. She shivered. Cold, he asked, leaning over. His movements had let in quite a draft. It's not bad. But I can fix it. He settled between her legs again, his arms on either side of her. She hugged him and tucked her nose into the curve of his shoulder. Much better. She squeezed him with her knees and his hips gave a reflective thrust. He reached down to stroke her warm flank as they exchanged a few more lazy kisses. Scully set a rhythm with her hips that matched his slow caress. He pressed into her gently at first, gaining speed and pressure as their kisses grew. At last he broke free and laid his forehead on hers, eyes closed. He could smell the heat and sweat of her skin. Scully, do we need anything? She shook her head no. Her hand slid down either side of his ribcage to the edge of his boxers. She yanked and he wiggled, and soon the boxers joined his pants in a wad at the foot of the bed. His cock sprung free in the humid air between them, reaching towards her soft belly to rub wetly over her smooth skin. He kissed her brow, her nose, her chin. You feel so good. Her hands ran down his back and tickled the sensitive skin at the back of his thighs. You too. She parted her legs a bit wider so he could find the place between them. But when he reached down to help himself along, he found her swollen, but dry as a desert. She hissed and flinched at his touch. Scully. Sorry. Her thighs closed over him, trying to force him out. He held her still with the weight of his body. It's all right, he said against her fragrant neck. She turned her head away, tense and resistant. He stroked her side and kissed her shoulders. It's okay. This he had read about in books. His fierce desire abated a bit as he soothed her, her distress taking a bit of the wind from his sails. He kissed her warmly and gently over and over until she relaxed again and started to kiss him back. I'm sorry, she whispered in the dark, but he shushed her with his fingers. He pressed his lips to the hollow of her throat, where he could hear her heart beating so fast there was no space between the thumps. Tension coiled in her muscles as he went lower, finding her breastbone, her navel, the soft hair at the juncture of her thighs. His head dipped beneath the blankets. Mulder. She reached for him, clawing ineffectively at his shoulders. He kept her open to him with a hand on each of her knees. Mulder, please, you don't. She stopped talking at the first touch of his tongue. He couldn't bleed the fire of her on his lips, burning with each supple stroke. Her fingers twisted in his hair. He took his time learning each fold and valley, loving her again and again until her heels dug into the mattress and she was gasping above him like a fish out of water. His face flamed from the cramped space 
Lack of oxygen made him dizzy, but he was harder than he could ever remember being, aching at the thought that he was making love to her, that she needed him for this, that she trusted him enough to let him do it. True completion. When he came up for air, Scully was quivering beneath him, her eyes dark and liquid. He kissed her parted lips and she wrapped her legs around him. Without breaking their kiss, he reached down and placed the head of his penis where he needed it to be. Scully arched to meet him and he slipped inside. Tears prickled his eyes and he broke off to nuzzle her ear. Hi, he whispered. Hi. She hugged him tight with all four limbs as they rubbed noses and shared a smile. He braced himself on his forearms and held as still as he could, trying to ignore her clenching and releasing as she adjusted to his presence inside her body. His stomach tightened. His breathing grew erratic. He felt the tendons in his neck stretch at the effort it took to keep control. Scully shifted a bit underneath him, her eyelids fluttering closed. Just as he was about to ask if it was okay to move, she stiffened and gasped, her hands clamping at his wrists. Her mouth went slack, and her hips gave a sharp jerk forward. He could feel her rippling around him. Oh, he breathed, amazed it could happen like this. She moaned a little, and he started a gentle rocky motion. When she shuddered and hid her face in his shoulders, he bent to kiss her head. Okay? Yes. She hugged him again, and he picked up the pace, increasing the sweet friction until even his teeth vibrated with the need for release. Scully stroked his slick back and murmured words of encouragement near his ear. He hoped she could hear the love in his groan. Shaking, he gave three more quick thrusts and collapsed on top of her, spent. She kissed his temple and squeezed him close. When he'd recovered enough energy, he rolled to the side and took her warm little body with him. Goose flesh covered her back, so he tugged down her sweatshirt and pulled up the covers. She rested her head on his shoulder. So, he said, still a little winded, did you get your wish? Scully snorted and rubbed her cheek against him. I'd say that's a bona fide magic pickle you got there. Yes, I have to agree he's feeling luckier than he has in a long time. He would never get enough of her laugh in the dark. She poked her fingers into the space in his ribs, tickling. I'm just sorry I won't have the energy to do this more often. When you're better, he replied. We can do it all the time, then. Mulder. Seriously, night and day. We can quit our jobs. We have to have some time to eat. Shit, he said. Dinner. Scully rolled around, convulsed with laughter, as he ran bare-assed out of the room. The sauce was fortunately just fine, though the water had boiled away. He put on a fresh pot while Scully dressed the salad. They dimmed the lights and ate at her wooden table with a makeshift centerpiece next to them his giant pickle with a single fat candle glowing atop the jar. Weeks passed, and Mulder often felt like he was living some nightmarish version of a beer commercial. Some days were definitely better than others. Scully was the one curled up and shivering in the hospital bed, but he had never felt smaller in his life. He tried to imagine how chemicals that made her so sick could possibly be helping. The horrid part was, he seemed to be no more of an aide. Mulder, don't, she groaned when he sat on the bed with her. I don't want it to move. So he sat in the chair, dragging it across the room, 
so he could hold her hand. She pulled away. He'd brought a boombox and some of her favorite CDs, but she didn't want to listen to them. I don't want to bring music I love into this room. He urged her to drink some water, but she'd just throw it back up again. He tried just talking to her about nothing important, but she reacted with winces and groans, as if his words physically pained her. He'd shut up. When at last she'd fallen into a fitful sleep, he'd escaped to the cafeteria to mainline some coffee. Her pale face with its dark rings and chapped lips haunted his brain. He felt restless, caged, his legs burning with the need to run anywhere at all. He had read the goddamn books all right, with their just-so advice. The truth was, there wasn't a damn thing he could do for her when it really counted. His job was to sit death watch, the graveyard shift, endless night hours that magnified her pain and his fear, leaving him weak and trembling at the dawn. He ran the stairs back to her room, taking a deep breath before returning to the gray light and fetid smell. Scully turned her head as he entered. Her hair was matted to her skull, and the dull eyes were only half opened. She seemed dismayed to see him. Hi, he said, approaching her with caution. She sighed and drew up the sheets. Mulder, go home. Go to work. Go anywhere. There is no sense in both of us being stuck here. His heart picked up, tempted. Reasons intervened. I... I can't. Please. I just need peace right now, and you're... What? Agitated. I sat in that chair for three hours and didn't move a muscle. Her eyes closed and she curled into her pillow. I can feel you thinking. God, he prayed that wasn't true. I don't want to leave you alone. My mother will be here in half an hour. Please just go and do something, she paused. I'll be here when you get back. He swallowed hard. Okay, Scully, if that's what you really want. She didn't answer, but he thought maybe she was asleep again. He left without saying goodbye. They waited until the worst of her nausea had passed. She gave them some credit for that. They were kind people, these men and women who were crusading for her life. Dr. Alton and Dr. Arden came in together and asked if maybe she wanted her mother present, or perhaps Mulder. She told them no. Her mother would just cry, and Mulder, well... She wasn't sure what Mulder would do. Her stomach turned over just imagining the terrible possibilities. We have your latest test results, Dr. Alton said. Scully had grown up enjoying tests. They were always a chance for her to distinguish herself, to show just how much she knew, how accurate she could shoot, how strong she was. She had never failed a single one. I'm so sorry to have to say this, Dana. Dr. Alton's brown eyes welled with sympathy. Your cancer has metastasized. So, he'd gone to work and found he'd apparently already been at work because somehow someone named Fox Mulder was out investigating his cases while he sat in Scully's hospital room. Anger crackled inside him like kindling all day as he tracked his imposter, and when he learned the man's identity, years' worth of fury went up in flames. He was going straight to the Crystal City to demand answers from the wizard himself. Skinner didn't seem surprised to see him, considering he'd broken in and was holding a gun at his boss's head. He'd expected a bit more in the way of fireworks. Instead, Skinner just seemed worn down to his bones. Answers, damn it, he wanted some. You couldn't tickle cancer with a gun barrel. You couldn't shake the doctor's teeth loose and make them tell you what you wanted to hear. Ah, 
But this, this cold steel in his hot hands, he'd found someone he could make accountable, and he'd aimed right between the eyes. You've been working with the Smoky Man all along. You knew when my father got killed, and you knew when they took Scully. He set me up, Skinner snarled back. Mulder shook his head. He'd seen the evidence this time. He knew he was the one who had been set up. There was nothing Skinner could say to convince him otherwise. I advised you against a certain course of action some time ago, Skinner said evenly, concerning Agent Scully. I didn't follow my own advice. Mulder's gun waved along with his resolve. They said nicotine could age a man, and now he understood why. He felt a flash of guilty relief that someone had made the deal. Suppose the cigarette-smoking man bastard really did have the power to pull cancer out like weeds. So he took a few puffs himself, just in case. He helped Skinner cover up the cover-up. He lied and signed his name to it, putting his own ex on the deal to sell his soul. Maybe the smoker told the truth. Maybe it was all a lie. Either way, Mulder was going to hell. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.